0: You're listening to another episode of the Zach Ercus Here, excited to be joined by one of our favorites from the all-time legendary 2011 class. Anna is here. She's going to talk about LUSD and some recent happenings there that she was working on. So let's get to it. Anna, what do you remember about the 2011 class? It was a long time ago.
1: It was a long time ago, but it was a great class. Great people helped me decide that law school was something I wanted to do. So I am forever grateful to my fellow uh, classmates.
0: Yeah, that was a good group. And I'm glad you stayed involved over the years. And I'm glad you went to law school because it actually uh, very much is pertinent to our conversation we're having today. So give folks a scoop first about where you work and what you spend most of your time doing.
1: Sure. So I am a staff attorney now at the ACLU Foundation of Southern California. So I'm based here in LA, but I do work statewide. And my focus is education equity. So I get to work um, with schools, with parents, with students, um, to kind of fight for students' rights at, in their classrooms and at their school sites.
0: And when you went to law school, was that the kind of law you knew you wanted to do, or did that come later in the game?
1: Yeah, so I went to law school because so I knew I wanted to be kind of like a social justice advocate, just with like a legal hat on. And so I wanted to do civil rights generally. Um, so I did take education law in law school. Um Fell into employment work first, which I loved, and then came over back onto the education side, which is close to work I used to do before law school. So I'm glad that I'm able to come back in this space just now with an additional tool.
0: And most people obviously know the ACLU, but do people misunderstand anything about the work that you do? What are some of the misconceptions that you find?
1: Yeah, um, you know, sometimes I ran into folks who say, you know, I like what you're doing here today on education, but I don't like the rest of the stuff that you do. You're like (laughs) left leaning liberal like crazy folks (laughs) um and you do you know ridiculous things but um you know one of the things you know a lot of folks actually don't know that we do education work um and so that's kind of like one of the small like misconceptions that we help clarify a lot of the time we're most known i think for our like first amendment work um and right now because of the climate that we're in we're also very well known for our resistance against the federal government when they um, you know, try to take people's civil rights and civil liberties away, or, or when they are past immigrants. So we're really proud of the work that um, I'm really proud of the work that our colleagues are doing right now against the current administration.
0: What kind of schools did you go to growing up, and was that a, g- a good experience for you, or did anything that happened in your school experience make you want to do this kind of work now?
1: Yeah, so I went to LAUSD public schools going, growing up, um, but I think there were kind of like two big things that happened to me. Um, that really influenced me to kind of go on the track that I'm on. So one, I saw that where you live really dictates the opportunities that are available to you. And so I started off at my neighborhood public school where all of my education was in Spanish. I didn't start learning English until later in life. But it really um, wasn't until we had an educator who told my parents, if you want your kids to succeed, you've got to get them out of these neighborhood schools and get them into magnet schools. And so my school resisted, didn't want to give me my, um, the choices application. And my first act of advocacy ever growing up was actually um, going to the library, getting the choices book anyway, um, despite my school's resistance, filling it out, telling my mom where to sign. My mom's not literate in either English or Spanish, so I did all my paperwork. Um, I told her where to sign, and then I got this letter in the mail that I was going to go to a magnet school for uh, second grade. Um, and so that afforded me a lot of opportunities, but, you know, left a lot of other kids behind. Um, and second, the second memory that I have growing up, I remember I had a teacher who told me that Latinas don't go to college. They just get pregnant and drop out of high school. Um, and that really stuck with me, um, even though it was like the most negative thing I ever heard. Like it really inspired me to like prove him wrong and to break through that stereotype that people had
0: yeah that's really inspiring stuff. And so that I think inspiration that you took about taking agency in your own life has, has led you to do some interesting stuff with LUSD. So give folks a little bit of background on what you were involved with that happened at the last board meeting last week.
1: Yeah. So um, LAUSD since the early 90s has had this policy of taking metal detector wands to um, you know wand over children's bodies and their belongings. And so several years back they made it mandatory. So that in every single secondary school in the district, including co-located charters, um, the administrators had to go into one classroom every day and randomly, allegedly randomly, select kids to then wand them, um, interrupting their class time. And so we've been a part of an effort here at ACLU for the past four and a half years through the Students Not Suspects Coalition to um, end mandatory metal detector searches of students, um, which was a call that was really important to me. because When I was in LA USC middle school, I was, um, wanted. And when I switched over into like honors and AP classes, I wasn't wanted anymore, but the rest of the kids were. And it's still a complaint that we've heard of today, as well as that kids that are black or Brown or Muslim are most likely to get searched in their classes mm-hmm. where there's more racial balance. Um, so it's discriminatory. It's an effect finding finding weapons. Um, and so last week we're really, um, grateful that Board President Garcia introduced the resolution to sunset random searches by July 1, 2020.
0: And so I was following this a little bit beforehand, and definitely was following it on the day of the vote, and didn't get a chance to see what the final vote tally was until later that night. And I was really surprised that it wasn't a unanimous school board member vote. For the board members that voted no uh, for ending this policy, what was their rationale?
1: Got. Sure. So for the board members that weren't with us, we knew that they weren't going to come with us. Um, and so one, the reaction was, you know, emotional. Some of them, when they were principals, had really tough experiences around school safety. And so in their heart of hearts, they believe that this policy is needed. Um, and so there's like a very, like, you know, there's some passion behind keeping it. Um, but secondly, um, one of them was saying, like, where's the data? Like, you know, we just have this pilot program. Where's the data? And, There is no data that shows that this doesn't work, even though, um, one, the district has data on it and shows that, you know, they're not really finding, you know, that the policy isn't being implemented evenly. And then we did a report last year that we presented to them and gave to each of the board members with data. We had researchers go through thousands and thousands of search logs, um, and the search logs revealed that, you know, 60 or 61% of the items confiscated through random searches are school supplies. Mm -hmm. their highlighters, their markers, Um, you know, they're not weapons, which are the things that they're supposed to, that they're allegedly finding. Um, So those were the two prime concerns as well as like viability. Um, But, you know, those are all um, issues that we've taken up with the other board members and have explained like, you know, there are other harms, but this policy is really harmful and it's actually fast for the district and fast for students and fast for families as the policy is done away with.
0: And even though you knew some board members were going to vote no and be opposed to this beforehand, were you surprised that it was board members who had so much school experience?
1: No, um,
0: okay. <laughs> no, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh,
1: you know, they're from a different um, generation. I mean, their mind, the, mm-hmm. their minds are really stuck in, in like the '90s, and like this narrative of like the war on drugs, and we, you know, we need to be hardened, just like kids are hardened. Um, and I, I think that you know, there are educators of all, you know, from a a different age range who voted with us. Um, But I think that the district largely is moving towards, you know, restorative justice and, you know, common foreign practices. And this policy just really flies in the face of all the progress that they're making in school climate reform.
0: Yeah. So what happens now?
1: So now, um, you know, students, uh, educators, parents, uh, advocates, we all now come together because um, the policy requires the superintendent to create like an alternative policy in the next year by July 1. Um, so next is, you know, we want to be at the table and we want to make sure that everyone is at the table to help create a policy that really centers student dignity and student civil rights um, and also keeps kids safe.
0: Yeah, it's, it's great to hear. It. And I think what's interesting too, you know, picturing the the board meeting itself and, and the board vote, you know, you mentioned board members who voted for it were of a slightly different generation and one of the board members is an nlc la alum and his policy director is as well so it's great to hear you know this this really important issue being tackled from so many different directions which i think is why nlc is unique in that it's not just training people to run for office which is great but it's also supporting folks to tackle issues from the lens that you're using being a lawyer from community organizing lenses which i'm sure were important in this in this instance as well so it's cool to think about all y'all together in that in that room, trying to make that happen and exciting to see what will will happen moving forward. Listen, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about some LESD things and also some other stuff going on in his life. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, I wanted to close out. One of your other loves besides law and equity is is animals and dogs. And you got a, a new dog recently, right?
1: Yeah. Give me the scoop. Um, people
0: I- want people want the dog news. What's the Breed, what's the Doggers? type? Yeah, give it give us give us everything.
1: Sure. So Rosie is now a four month old pit bull rescue from Angel City Pitbull, which is a really great um animal rescue here in LA. Rosie's actually at my feet right now in the oh. office. I work in a dog-friendly office. Um and she's a great big sister to two uh, cats at home. Uh, Luna and Lola and then we just bought a house and there's a cat who just gave birth to four kittens so we are also now taking care of a family of five cats
0: okay I think I missed the house buying part where did y'all end up buying
1: in our very own neighborhood okay so we're in mid-city
0: nice and how long was that process given that your your partner loves real estate and likes to look at things
1: um the day he decided that we were going to buy a house was the day that he started making offers on <laughs> house <laughs> Um, and one of the offers that, so I'm really happy that we are now co-owners, um, and I'm on my way to, in the future, buying a house that my mom can live and retire in. Nice. Awesome.
0: Yeah. That's good to nice hear. Time. I'm excited for y'all. Hey, uh, you know, listen, we are wrapped with NLC Institute for 2019 and we're kind of switching into recruitment mode and looking for the next great set of fellows for, for 2020 for folks listening to this, who would you recommend to them, um, to suggest to apply to the NLC fellowship, what kind of profile a person usually gets you the most excited to tell them about the fact that NLC is something they should do?
1: Yeah, I get really excited when I meet folks that are excited and passionate about creating change in their communities um, and and kind of, you know, have that spark in them that they want to do something and that, you know, this space might be a really good way for them to like widen their network and gain some skills to be able to accomplish their vision and their dreams for their communities.
0: Yeah, good idea. Well, listen, you can find out more information about how to apply to NLCLA at www.newleaderscouncil.org. And you can also nominate people you might know who would be interested in hearing about what the program offers. And there'll be different recruitment events coming up throughout the late summer and definitely into the fall. And until next time, make sure to catch the past episodes of The Zag and all the places you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all the places And there are a lot of episodes there, about 130 or so to check out. So until next time, we'll catch you soon.